Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is show number 124, and this week's guest is Vincent Sebastian. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, the Lensless Podcast. This is show number 124, and as always, I have master of disaster hanging out with me mr andrew <laughs> andrew bartram hey andrew how are you doing hi curry yeah fine yeah. thank you but it's wonderful to hear your your lovely accent again well you i don't know where you've been people yeah. i've had a few people say to me look if you need a, a new co-host you know <laughs> so Remember? we've had um uh, who, who's offered to stand in most recently it was henry scott you know from oh, yeah. Ta- tales from the magic box podcast cool so I bumped into Henry at the photography show last weekend. Hi, Henry. Hello. So Henry. I, I'd not met Henry before, so that was lovely. Cool. Um, and he said, you, you know, you just need to ditch that Corey. He's so unreliable. Ditch me, man. Beat it. And um, <laughs> let me, he says, I know, he says, I know a thing or two about pinhole photography. I said, I know yeah. you do, even that you know more than we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that's never that's never stopped us yeah. making 124 shows, has it? No, no, we 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 still have the ability to ramble on. <laughs> and then who else? Um, who else has offered? Oh, I think probably um, Mr. Holger. But then he's always offering. He's always he's always yeah. trying to he's always trying to elbow in. <laughs> he's pushing shouldering his way right in. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah, how you, how you been then? What, what what have you been doing Good. since I last spoke to you about two years ago? Just been busy, you know, going out of town, doing this, doing that, and you know. You work in, you work away now, don't you? So you 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 pack all your all your belongings in the back of the truck, car, yeah. whatever, and you you we, go off you go off to provide for the family into the wild world. Yeah, that's that's pretty much come to an end though now. Is so, it? Yeah, that's done. Um, but does yeah, that, so should be well, you know. Does that mean you're working closer to home or you're going to be on a bit of a break or what? no we're just we're just we just had some jobs that were out of town mm-hmm. right uh we're back home now uh and there's some more stuff coming up out of town but i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be doing it anymore just with my wife's schedule and the kids mm-hmm. there's just a lot for her to try and balance it all you know yeah uh, so there's stuff i can do to stay local to work and when they go out of town i'll just take a little bit of a break when they come back i'll jump back in line you know so okay. yeah but yeah, I was just—it was kind of weird for a while there. Just, I didn't, I couldn't. It was hard for me to make plans, uh, just because stuff was just popping up. You know, I really, even if it was weeks out, something would change and something would happen, and you know, so it's just kind of just how, just life, you know. Yeah, life has now. a yeah. life has a habit of getting in the way. It will. So, have you been pinholing at all? Uh, not not too much. I still have a role in trying to finish in my reality. Uh, I've been using it taking it here and there with me but i have some i set the pucks up the solar cam pucks i got oh yeah mm-hmm. i got those set up so they're they're doing their thing and uh that's been about it honestly how long are you leaving the pucks up i don't know i want to just let them go for a while um i don't know he said it says you should do anywhere from one day to infinity so when I feel feel like I just that's enough, I'll just go out there and just close it up. Dude. I'm gonna send a couple with my uh, with my son Dylan, who's a sophomore in college this year. He lives in the mountains, so I'm gonna send a couple with him and let him. 
put so some I, somewhere. Yeah. I I asked someone, Mike Gutterman of um what's it podcast? Negative positives. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Mike. Um said that his son was soft soft sophomore. Is that mm-hmm. he pronounced it? Yeah. And I said I said, what 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 is that? And he said it was like a second year second year, yeah. Second year. So you're not a what are you in the first year? A freshman, is that right? Yep. All right. See, I've got yeah. all the lingo. And he uh, he drives, so he was asking me for some ideas. He's like, I have no idea where to put these pucks. And I said, Well, in the car. Yeah, put it in your car because he doesn't drive his car for weeks. And then I was like, Just mm-hmm. open it and put it in the car park on top of your dashboard. You know where you park at on the school parking lot, and just let it sit there for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Just tape it to the inside of your window. You know, whatever. So yeah, we'll see. He's been doing salt prints. You'll be you'll be absolutely happy, Andrew. When you said I'm doing salt prints, I said, Oh, I have a guy to talk to. We won't start the interview proper this time, but just yep. so, just so people don't think that it's just you and I rambling yeah. on, um, we we do have a guest. He's yep. he's hovering in the background. It's uh, Vincent Sebastian. How you doing, Hello, Vincent? Vincent, Rowdy, doing good. Thanks. So yeah. we'll we'll crack on in a, in a little while with a proper interview. But do feel free to to chip in. Do you know what we're talking about when we're talking about the solar can pucks that Corey's got? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah. I know what it There's, is. Yeah. Yeah, they launched yeah. them recently. They look really good. Look, t- yeah, I, they're nice. Tiny little round things with paper yep. in. I got one that it came with the stand, a couple of different kinds mm-hmm. of stands. I did the, yeah. uh, I backed, I did the backer level where I got five, mm-hmm. five, and I think it has pre-cut paper circles already inside of it, some extras and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, and Vincent, have you done any? salt printing or alternative stuff i think you did you tell me you were doing cyanotypes or have i just made that up no i i do cyanotypes yes cool. um i'm i've got them posted on um tap pages and uh and on my own page also but i do uh, photo collages um i actually start with uh doing a photogram yeah. um, on cyanotype um using ashtrays and glass objects yeah, and cool. things and I make a background, and then I combine that uh, a scan of that digitally with um, historic and vintage photographs of people. So wow, it's sort of a digital collage thing. And then I do make an, a negative, and then I make cyanotypes from that, usually letter size. Right. So we're um, we're jump we're we're not really jumping into the interview yet. But what whilst I think whilst I remember, where do folks go to to see that work, Vincent? Because we see all your lovely pinhole work in the facebook group the lenses podcast facebook group where do folks go to see all your other stuff uh they can just go to my page uh, if you click on the um the the painting it's actually a giant mural on the side of a building of the woman with her hands up by her face with the red glass you just click on that and it'll go to my page i can see the big mural it's the color photograph in the in the uh, circle yeah or okay. just go to go to vincent sebastian on facebook ah so a separate okay All right we'll um we'll call that up in a, in a bit and uh, and uh, and chat about that work as okay. well okay um a couple of things cory before we dive into the proper interview nick sure. nick voracek friend of the show and man behind Pinholica mm-hmm. blog. And also 
he's the admin, isn't he? I think admin person behind yep. World Pinhole Photography Day. So Nick very kindly, mm-hmm. very kindly sent us beautiful, beautiful cardboard cameras. Mm-hmm. And when I say cardboard cameras, I'm really doing it a disservice. So if, if folks want to just go into the Lenses Podcast Facebook group and go back last a week or so ago, I certainly posted a picture of mine, which is made from something called Zest, what, Zest crackers, maybe? Do you know what they are? <laughs> uh, just crackers, like saltines. Mine's, mine's a 7-Up. Mine's is a 7-Up. <laughs> well, these are... These are really cream crackers, is what I can. T- so in the UK, these would be called cream, cream crackers. Okay, cream crackers, cream crackers. Yeah, <laughs> and don't laugh. That's what, I think they're pretty much cream crackers. I think maybe, maybe these are slightly smaller, mm. and people have used them to make pinholes because they've got little holes in, haven't they? These crackers. Yeah, those are tripod wild. mount and everything. Hmm. And sorry, Vincent, what did you say? Oh, I said those are wild. I've I've saw those posts with the crackers and holes. <laughs> yeah. So, so this thing turns up in the post, right? And it's made out of a cracker box. And he sent this other thing, which I didn't know what it was, and I was poking around with it, and suddenly my finger went through the middle of it, and and bits of crumbs fell all over the desk. <laughs> so he'd very he very kindly. <laughs> yeah, it's now it's now a huge cracker pinhole. He very kindly sent me a a zest a zest cracker, ma- taped up as an alternative to the pinhole, which is made in this camera. So this camera's got a an effective focal length of about sixty millimeters, which is quite you know quite not not all that wide compared to what we're used to using, Corey. Because if you're using yeah. your this is probably, reality, this is, this is wide. yeah, this is twice as long as reality, and he's got a nice little point three of a millimeter hole pinhole mm-hmm. that he's made that um, looks super round to me as I peer at it here. But hey, you know, so well done, Nick, on making super round pinholes. I think and, one of the I think one of the positives about these is that they don't look as bombish as the realities do. <laughs> You know what I mean? No, they don't, they don't quite look like bombs when they're sitting around. You know, like, what's that little black box doing right oh, there? Oh, I see. You freak out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They don't look like explosive devices. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, I so I've, to, this is not really like any kind of pinhole camera, handmade pinhole camera I've ever used before because it's 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 way better than that. It's got wind-on knobs, and it's brilliant. And it and it and it works. Really, really, well, I don't know if it actually works really well, but it functions really well because I stuck a roll of, F, of HP5 in it last week, Corey, mm-hmm. and I took it to the photography show in Birmingham. Birmingham, not that's not Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> this is Birmingham in the other one, the fake one. This is Birmingham in the West Midlands, mm-hmm. where they all where they all talk a bit like that. Oh, I love that's it. That's a love terrible. It. That's a terrible accent. And um, so I took it along with the idea of doing portraits of people that I met, which is just a crazy idea, isn't it? Anyway, the day was saved, right, by hijacking. Bear, bear in mind, this is a photo show, so there's, there's guys there selling ring lights and studio lights. So well, I grabbed people like Graham from um, 
Sunny 16 uh, and lots of other folks. And, and I said, come with me to my studio. And I wheeled them over to a lighting stand. And mm -hmm. I, just, I just pinched a ring light and sat this cream cracker pinhole camera down mm. on my little Manfrotto tripod. Sounds cool. And I balanced it on a, on a cardboard box. And, and each victim had to kneel before the cream, <laughs> before the cream cracker pinhole god. That's awesome. And they had to stay there staring into this thing for 45 seconds or so. It wasn't a terribly bright ring flash and it was indoors. Anyway, I may have overcooked the exposure, I don't know, but I just pointed my um, uh, pinhole assist app at it. And I'd set the rating at 800. You so can, we'll, we'll see. You can fix that when you process it, though, can't you? Yeah, well, uh, we'll see. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm just going to develop it in some, in some Ilford microfen for the times that I use that are published for 800. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Cool. And, um, of course, as I've made each of my victims sit there for 45 seconds, <laughs> the people that were with them just took the mickey, you know, took the P-I-S-S and... Um, tried to make them laugh so we had neil piper we had graham we had um what did we have i've forgotten now I had, uh, about 10 people kneeled before the cream cracker pinhole god cream <laughs> and, cracker <laughs> <laughs> so apologies nick for um breaking the pinhole the cream cracker pinhole mm. but i uh, goodness knows what f stop that would have been anyway yeah, but so you you haven't used yours yet, then? No, I haven't. It's really nice though. It's uh, I have a Seven Up. Do you? Yeah. But don't they come in cans? Yeah, it's, it's a mini set. He made it out of mini Seven Up cans, so it says mini across the top. So yours isn't a cardboard mm -hmm. one, then? It is cardboard. It's okay. a cardboard box, Seven Up cardboard box. Sorry. Oh, let's see. Right. I hope I'll, it's light. I, some... I hope it's light proof. Yeah, find out. Anyway, it's very impressive. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thanks. Nick. And you can you can follow Nick's excellent blog, which comes out pretty regularly at pinholica p i n h o l i c a dot blogspot dot com. Yep. And the other bit of news coming up for early October, Corey is Holger Week. What's that then? Tell us about Holger Week. Uh, where you go out and you shoot with your Holger. Or your pinhole, or your regular <laughs> Holger. Whatever you want to do. So can Bombs you just use Holger? So it's from the October the 1st mm -hmm. through to the 7th. And what are the, what yep. the categories? Remind the listeners, Corey, of the categories that they can enter. And who, the, and who the judges are. <laughs> you don't know, do don't, you? I don't know who the judges are. I know the categories are... Uh, go on then, yes, go on. Yes, color. No. Can, no. No. I thought it was. No. I thought Come it was. What do you mean? No, no. No, no. For all the categories you can enter. What are they? Forget pinhole. Pinhole is a category, so yeah, you can certainly enter the pinhole category. But what are the other three? I don't remember. Okay, so it's street street, street photography. Right. Yeah, yeah. So our friends at the Sunny Sixteen podcast are gonna be judging that. Just about to say street. Were you? You cut me yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Don't bullshit. Na na nature, so that's all things. All things wild Nature, and wonderful, right? And that's uh, the aforementioned Henry Scott from Tales from the Magic Box podcast. And the other one is pinhole. And what about what's the last one? What do you think? 
uh, street? <laughs> no, we said that. <laughs> I don't remember, honestly. I'm portrait, sorry. Portrait. Portraits, that's right. Yeah, which is the one I entered last year and um, failed to even gain a mention. Uh, <laughs> Studio C41 are judging oh. that. Anyway, so there we are. So get your Holgers out. Um, I, get your Holger pinhole cameras out. Um, mm-hmm. Vincent, do you have a Holger pinhole camera? I did make one out of a Holger, yes. Did you? What, you used the body and then... Yeah, I took the lens off. And took the lens off, yeah. I made my you... own lens just with a little pin. Mm-hmm. So so you have, did, have you entered the Holger week? I can't remember see, seeing your pictures or maybe I, we did. And I maybe did. <laughs> well, um, just regular shots, so, you know, straight one. Um, oh, okay. Like right. But well, I'm if you this here, though. Yeah. Yeah. Get your, get your pinhole, your homemade Holger pinhole out. <laughs> anyway, should we start anyway. this? Uh, enough of this nonsense. Yeah, let's go. Vincent, how are you doing? Vincent. Good. I'm great. Thank you. All, all, all pinholes on Vincent right now. <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's stop talking about other things. Vincent, it's lovely to have you here. I've been a great admirer of your work since I came across it when you joined our Lenses Podcast Facebook group. Most oh, consi- you. you are very welcome. Most consistently, I think, with your Harman Titan pinhole camera. But tell us more about yourself and... You know, um, your life story, you know, the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of your life. No, no, you don't, you don't need, you don't need, Sebastian. <laughs> you don't need to tell us that. Um, t- tell us um, as little or as much as you want about yourself and how you, um, and your love of photography, your love of art making, print making, collage making. Just go for it and tell us about yourself. Okay. Um, started, uh, I took my first art class in high school the last semester of high school and uh, was mentored by a man named Bruce Prio, who has just been a constant inspiration to me. Um, I walked in, uh, took this class, and all of a sudden high school was okay. Um, I entered some scholarship competitions, and I won a couple of scholarships, uh, which paid for uh, my first and second year of college. So what, um, sorry, let me just stop you there, because what sort of art were you, so you were inspired by this art teacher, and what, yes. what, were, the, what were the things that caught your imagination, and what, what did you, did you have an artistic sort of streak that you discovered, or did I did, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I had done a little bit of drawing and stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. um, just the approach of uh, the way I was taught really, um, really s- struck home with me, I guess. And um, so my scholarships were won because of drawing and printmaking. And I went to um, two years of um, went to junior college and picked up uh, academic. And then I went to the Art Institute of Chicago School of the Art Institute, which is hooked up with the museum. And there I uh, taking my first class which was just a beginning photo class and just fell in love with it right you know right away uh ended up doing a lot of um photo silkscreen work and i was an assistant to the printmaking department um at the school of the art institute of chicago and got my bfa from there um 
Hang on, stop, let me just stop you. So I've yeah. seen silk screen, silk screen printing being done with a, some kind of frame and a lady pushing something over. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. had a, I, I ended up with a, a T-shirt or a bag, a Hessian, not Hessian, cotton bag with a, silk, a one color, I think, silk screen. So what, t- t- just tell us what silk screen printing is, please. Uh, like you said, it's a, it's a, a frame. Uh, stretch across it and you, mm-hmm. you create masks uh, that you adhere to the screen or you draw on the screen or you use photo emulsion and that will either print something or hold it back from being printed. Um, so you make these stencils, uh, you put the screen, on, you lock the screen down on a table and you put paper under it and you use a squeegee which is like a heavy-duty window kind of squeegee kind of thing. And you pour your ink in the screen and pull it across, and it goes through the screen where it's open onto the paper, and that makes a print. And then you take the paper out, you put another piece of paper in there, pull it again, and you run as many prints as you want to, or T-shirts or whatever. And you can do multi-colored images? You print everything. You print the first stencil, um, let them dry. You can use and you print that on top of the first one if you're doing multicolors. And you can do as many. I mean, I've done like 40, 50 different printings on one print. So um, it just depends on how much work you want to put into it to get what you want. Okay. You can keep it simple or or go wild, yeah. That's cool. So, all right. Sorry for that diversion, but um, thought folks might find that interesting. And uh, I didn't know you could get so many layers and colors. But anyway, uh, ca- carry on. Yeah, carry on. Um, so I was doing silk screen printing. Um, I ended up getting my degree, my BFA. I also went towards my master's. I had halfway towards my master's in printmaking, but um, I got a teaching job and I. Um, my first year uh, at a school, and then my second year, a job opening opened up at uh, Rolling Meadows High School, which is where my mentor, Bruce Prio, was was working. And I was able to uh, get a job there actually working with him. So it's, it was awesome. And uh, we had a, a, a dark room um, with 12 enlargers. Um, you know, the whole room was, I don't know, 20 yards long or something and uh, big stainless steel sink uh, changing rooms you know that you close the door and it's light tight and um, so anyways I, I developed the the uh, photography department there and uh, also did photo silk screens there so that got me to that point <laughs> Chicago winters were absolutely brutal um, my last winter was 50 below zero with the wind chill and, and snow up to my chest. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was time to go to California, <laughs> go, go West young man. And, uh, so I went, I went to California and I actually did some, uh, uh, tabletop. I, I was shooting, uh, products and things there and location. And... California got crazy, and uh, uh, we decided to move to Arizona. So here I am, and that's my story. What um, 
That's what, most of what it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not your story. Not this is only an hour <laughs> show, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're halfway through already, and we barely scratched the surface. So, mm. um, when did you? What sparked your fascination with pinhole photography? Then, when? Uh, where? Where did that fit in in your? You know, was that when you were running darkroom classes? And I don't know how many years yes. ago that was. When you? When you? When you? When you? had the big uh, dark rooms how many years ago was that um two too many nope. too many, <laughs> too many. <laughs> too many. <laughs> um I, that's that's where pinhole started because uh, okay. in developing the photo uh, department program uh that was one of the things that this was we did quick growths yeah uh container boxes and um did yeah. Yeah. And stuff. that's the easiest way with a little bit of spray paint just yeah and I love the wide angle distortion that happened. Yeah, I do with too. It, so it reminds me of that. Of kind of like that anamorphic kind of weird bendy, super bendy kind of look. Yeah, it's it's you know it's just transforms into a whole different thing. So, uh, and the pl the plus the fact that it was all like really sharp and Thank really clear, and uh, yeah. I just I just love that. So. That was that, and um, so you're using it with students who had no, who just joined the photography class, and you were right. using it initially as a way, I guess, of showing how images are formed. Ju Julie, right. our last, our last guest, uh, Julianne Piper. I don't know if you listened to it, Vincent, but I did. She, she, she was. Um, thanks, Julianne, for coming thanks. on. You, Thank you, you Julianne. Yeah, you missed a, a lovely guest there, Corey, yeah. and the one and the one before that, James Murray. You missed him James as well. Murray, Hello, James. Sorry, thank you. James, <laughs> James was good too. <laughs> um, Julian was blown away, I think, uh, with this idea of you know the of your eye working constantly like a pinhole camera. And did you sort of take that angle with your students? You know, saying, "Well, this is the way the eye sees. This is the way a camera sees at a very basic level." Yes. Yeah. Uh, um... You know, just it's primal, right? Yeah, it is. That's what we do. You know, light comes in your eyes and gets mm -hmm. processed, and you see stuff. So, I mean, it's very direct. So, they love so doing you... it too. So, I just put some paper. We put photo paper in there and just, you know, sealed up the camera out. And they love just going and uh, taking pictures. Yeah, try it. Yep, had some had some really great results too. So, cool. so you were you were making pinhole cameras then? Um, yes. How, how did what's the timeline then between making pinhole cameras for your art classes and where we are now? You know, using your Walker White Walker Harman Titan pinhole camera. Um, you know, a lot of years. Um, <laughs> and when I when I was teaching, um, things were going great. Um, classes were great. Kids were winning scholarships. Things, and nice. uh, we had a new superintendent hired, and they decided that uh, they needed the amount of staff per student. And I was not fired. I was not rehired. So they called it reduction in force. So that kind of sent me on my way to uh, doing some freelance work and things. So, um, cool. which was, 
uh, you know, they kept all the tenure teachers and then they let all the new teachers go, which kind of stifled things, I guess, <laughs> I would think. Um, uh, bad note on me, so. Um, mm. uh, everything that, happens for a reason, you know? Yeah, I, I ended up um, uh, getting a job and working as a graphics person uh, for Greyhound Exhibit Group. And uh, I was a, a, a person that was doing some silkscreen and also uh, photographic printing. Um, Andrew, you have a, a DeVere enlarger, right? I think mm, I saw one. I do. Yep. Mm. Yeah, we had enlargers there. And we were printing um, C41 and Duratrans. And we were print we had with DeVere that was an 8x10 that was mm. on railroad tracks. And it projected sideways onto the wall, so you're in a black room. Wow, you, had, you had a 60-inch roll of uh, photo material in a box. You'd take it out in in black, roll it out on a table that was marked. Flip. You use your scissors and cut yeah. off like six feet or eight feet. <coughs> wow! You roll it up, go back across the room. Uh, to a magnetic wall, use magnets to hold the um, the material up, print, and then stick it in the processor. So wow. it was pretty wild. So did you, you see do... that kind of? I'm... No, no. I was going to say, were you developing it in drums, like drum roller? No, we had just... a, no, we had a processor that was as wide as the dark room. You know, oh, you wow. walked right, you walked right into the room and fed it in. Okay. So, yeah, what, it was what, awesome. Do you, what happened? I always <laughs> wondered. I always wonder what happened, what happens to gear gear like that. You know, do you think it all ended up in a skip? Probably. You know, they, a, dump, a dumpster, as you guys call it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. My a guy I worked with ended up with one of the enlargers, and then I bought his enlarger. I have a Bessler four by five, and um, but I don't know what became of all the stuff. You know, I mean, they it, it's changed dramatically now. You know, with everything digital and stuff. But that yeah. that was that was a dark room with photo printing. So, and we was did black cut, and white. Then. I'm sorry. Was that, so it was cut the rolls of paper. That was color paper. Was it? It was color paper or it was the Duratrans film, you know, mm -hmm. transparencies like you see in an airport, yeah. you know, you walk yeah. by and see, a, mm -hmm. and these um, exhibits for, you know, major, major trade show, you know, companies, you know, like 3M and, you know, all the, all the big shots. So, wow. Um, yeah. And they and it was a an in house um, made the booths. They you know uh, drew the designs for it, and so it was in the door and out. So it was pretty amazing. All, it was a huge, huge. All, place. all the time you were either teaching photography, or then once you uh, found this new career, was that affecting your personal work as well? Were you making personal work? Did you get jaded, jaded at all by being sidelined by the school, or did your did did you carry on making personal? Were you were you were you getting as much of a kick out of photography as you perhaps once did? No, I st I still kept going. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I had a I had a dark room in my basement. You know, with, with yeah. my Bessler four by five, and uh, you know, I was taking portraits of people and going out and shooting. Um, you know, landscapes and things. So, uh, and making prints. So, um, you know, I still kept up with that, but, um, yeah. so now I'm, I'm like completely refreshed, you know, it's, uh, 
doing yeah. cyanotypes and whole and yeah. um you mentioned salt printing you know i have a kid here i never did salt printing i did gum printing before so um i'm just working through some of that stuff and um really loving it so how did you was how did you come across the 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 Harman pinhole camera and what led you down that particular large format route for pinhole photography? Well, I have a five camera. I have a, um, I ended up selling a lot of my gear. Uh, I, for some reason, I still kept my Calumet four by five, sold the lens, which regret. it was a 90 millimeter uh, super angulon. And, yeah. uh, which I loved. And I, I did portraits with that, which you're not supposed to do. And But I just really love uh, being close to someone and doing that. It just added a whole different thing for me. Uh, yeah. And that's what I really love about this, the, the Titan. Um, back to 4x5, uh, back to shooting film 4x5. And uh, I'm using Foma Pan. I know, Andrew, you had a um, comment about, you know, using and camera so it's it's just been it, it's just exciting and and uh results that that camera gives it's it's amazing yeah 90, 90 on four by five it's pretty wide isn't it it is very wide yeah yeah there, there are other yeah. lenses that are wider um like 65 and stuff but yeah 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 it was it's pretty wide and i'm so loving I'm, wide you know titan is very the my standard I, titan uh, cone and stuff is is the wide angle one so so you, you so you're using the 72 mil yeah the standard uh, yeah and Which i have is, not um, used the other cones yet so just, i mean that's that's pretty similar curry to if you sort of divide it by three i know it's not quite the right thing to do but it's near enough isn't it that that that'll be similar to you know the reality is so subtle on six by six i think it'd, it'd be close close to that isn't it yeah 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 and i just love the quality of of four by five film um oh yeah you know, for sure. i have one um you know and i and i like that a lot also but um when i stepped up to the titan it was just like uh change yep. for me yeah and even well, and even if you can't print it you can still just contact print it you know you can't print it in a traditional larger you can still just contact print it that's and, true and have a a decent five by seven is a little bit better because it's bigger but four by five is still viewable size you know well it's also intimate you know i mean everybody yeah. is into making things like you know you know four feet by four feet or whatever. Sure. and and that that's impressive but um you know when you shoot wide angle and you put it close to your subject it's kind of more of an intimate thing so it doesn't have to be a huge print because you have to walk up in your hands so it's uh, i like that quality of it there was um i got i picked up a book you just reminded me of something uh i picked up a book a couple of years ago vincent by a lady photographer from i'm just standing up and looking in my cupboard now because I, I wasn't prepared for this um she lived in san francisco and she made small prints and she is this it? Oh, that's not it, is it? She made this. Oh, there it is. Yeah, a lady. She so this is a lady's called Rose Mandel, M A N D E L, and I think she was probably photographing in the sixties or maybe seventies. Um, 
Uh, she left Europe in 1942, so she must have fled Nazi Germany and mm. came to the San Francisco Bay Area, and then through the through the 60s, she created these pictures, but she never printed them very big. But she mounted them. She had exhibitions of these small pictures, and she mounted them in like um, I don't know how they were illuminated, but the viewer had to approach them. Because they were like in like a little, almost like looking at them in a shoebox, you know. They were the frames yeah, yeah. around the they're deep frames, so you had they must have been lit so you could see the things. I, I don't, I'd have to refresh my memory and read the book again, but um, they were very intimate objects, and and the book's great. So the the book, if folks out there wanted to look for this lady, because it was new to me, I just found it in a secondhand bookshop. Yeah, but the book was of course called the Errand E Double R A N D of the I the Errand. Of the eye by Rose Mandel, M A N D E L. Not pinhole, not pinhole, but small prints. While we were, it just yeah. suddenly occurred to me that folks I, might be uh, interested in that. A couple of years ago, there's a guy I was following on Instagram for those out. I think it was Tucson, out in Arizona. Well, that's and where he, um, that's where Vincent is. Yeah, yeah, and, and oh, that's right. Yeah, and he did a he did a show, and he asked for everyone to just to submit stuff, and it was all contact prints uh, from your film, you know. 35 whatever and put them all up on the wall and i think uh he like passed out uh you got like a magnifying glass when you went in huh. and you had to hold it you know and look at them uh so it was all I did, that's I, interesting i turned a bunch yeah i did a bunch of six by six prints and uh sent it to him and it was, yeah i didn't get to go see it but that's kind of the same thing going for the intimate, intimate i think it has a different of, you know. prints have a different quality when they're smaller also um you know, so, I mean, once you start enlarging, you know, you, you can pick out things that, that maybe you don't see on a smaller print. Oh, and, sure. uh, um, it just, to me, it's just more intimate to make smaller. There's, there's different, you know, it's all, it's all good, isn't it, really? I mean, I, yeah. I've, been re I've been reading um, some stuff, some writings by Stephen Shaw recently, and Stephen went through a period in the 70s using an 8x10 view camera. And he talks about using an eight, and he was photographing out in the Ameri you know, out in America, sort of street scenes and, and whatnot. People will be familiar with uh, the work of Stephen Shaw. If not, Google him. And what he talks about the, using different cameras to um, stretch himself and to um, keep himself fresh, you know, keep his work fresh. And so that's why he moved on to eight by ten. But he talks about. He talks about the inherent quality, you know, and 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 looking at this big negative. He, it, it's 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 not really single point perspective. He was looking at a viewer kind of immersing himself in the whole image, so you can dance through the picture. And if you hold yourself really close to it, you could see there was one image of a street scene. And but if you enlarge a certain area you can see this young lad sitting this young boy sitting in a window and it's as clear as day you know so the bigger the negative just gives you this ability to to, mm -hmm. to pick out to pick out bits of detail that would otherwise it really be, does otherwise, yeah. otherwise yeah. get lost that's what the so, titan did so i mean it, it stepped up from 120 i mean i love the soft quality um and stuff from the from the uh, 120 cameras that I use, but um, Titan was just, you know, you look at it and you think it's it's a 
photograph from a regular lens camera. Oh yeah, it's so sharp. <laughs> it is. Yeah, definitely. Well, so. uh, your, your images in particular, um, your uh, well, it's not just your images. I mean, I see lots of, I, I see lots of um, Harman Titan pictures, but your ones in particular just have a. Well, I don't know if it's the Arizona light uh, that you're photographing in, um, but it seems to fire off Fomapan, and you're getting pictures which really, you know, you you have no right to call these pinhole pictures. Not really, you know, not in the true sense. I mean, it is insanely sharp for a pinhole camera. I know we've spoken about this before, but your pictures just illustrate that fact tremendously. What uh, what other cameras are you shooting with mike i, I see you used a four by five but what do you use for uh 120 do you, you don't even really shoot 120 anymore maybe no i do um i, I just recently i hit i ran a roll of 120 through i have an agfa isola isola yeah. <laughs> um, it's a camera built in the 1950s and, and i put a pinhole lens on it um so i i had an issue with uh uh an order from B and H with Fomapan, and they sent some film, which wasn't their fault, but it was the wrong size. It didn't fit tight in a holder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was without film because um, I had been using them for my supplier, and so I picked up my 120 uh, Isola and went out and, and shot. So, uh, but that camera has a. a a different quality to it than than the titan so the titan um somebody asked if you know are you using different cones and that kind of thing um the answer is no i i'm actually still trying to dial in what i see and um what it records so, with that one yeah <laughs> yeah so greg um i'm sorry sorry carol I was just going to say it's it's especially hard when you're down on the ground and the camera is actually on the ground because you want to put your face down and try and get you know there's lined no line. up yeah. yeah trying to get it lined up right and so some of that is um, probably a lot of that is is luck you know, sometimes it works great sometimes you're too high or too low or whatever but it, it's when when you hit it it's it's good feeling so uh, so for, for the email question you or the, the question into the Facebook group that you referred to was by Greg, Greg Obst, who is a large format photographer. Um, I don't know if Greg does much pinhole. Um, he's certainly very active in our large format group. So he was asking if you just, you just if you stay with a 72 millimeter cone, because the, the beauty of that camera, of course, is you can swap it out with the 110 yeah. or the 150, which gets progressively towards a quote normal view. Um, right. And I think you've probably answered this. If using just a 72 cone, was this was this a decision that Vincent feels helps reinforce creativity through limitations? His work is masterful indeed. I, I nearly didn't. I didn't read that bit out. I wasn't going to read that bit out in case you got too big headed. <laughs> oh, that's that, that's a very nice compliment. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm and I didn't really want change uh just spend time with that and get get myself really familiar with it uh i have another uh 1950s metal camera it's a agfa isola did i say isola i meant uh yep. Laura. sorry uh and it's a metal camera and i took the left and it's a longer focal length so it is kind of more like a zoom or um 
short telephoto or whatever. And uh, it's completely different. So uh, I did some photos with it and stuff and I like it, but I didn't want to spend as much I'm trying to uh, dial that in for myself. So I just wanted to stick to one, uh, one thing and just see what it does, you know, see what I could do. With so it. The, the, the images I first started noticing uh, were the ones in, again, it's this bright Arizona sunshine, uh, churches and cemeteries. I mean, the, the architecture you're dealing with, the lighting you're dealing with, uh, the, the artifacts around the graves, if that's the right word, as yeah. you seem to be drawn to that sort of imagery. Is there, what, what drew you to that, those sort of images? Um, clearly it works, you know, but you um, are it, drawn backwards you, constantly, aren't you, to it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a series, so, um, uh -huh. you know, and it's a changing uh, series. Uh, these people leave these, you uh, remembrance uh, when you first talked about me, I guess, on one of the other podcasts. And uh, the, so the people that, um, it's like a link for them to the, the people uh, that are gone, the past. And so they bring things um, and set them up around um, their little memorials that they make and they they visit them from time to time and change the objects or put new flowers or or whatever it is so it's like a continuing uh, changing uh, still life kind of gotcha the same um, the same grouping and it's changed dramatically from uh, weeks I go and do that so and it's I read somewhere, and you see that in roadside memorials too. Mm, um, mm -hmm. It's just like a really, really deep connection of of um, a person to uh, someone that they've lost. So it's it's really powerful, I think. So I think we may have, I may have discussed you uh, when I was interviewing when um, Eric and I were interviewing Alice Tomlinson on the large format photography podcast alice um a-l-y-s tomlinson uh, her first book that she put out was called ex voto e-x-v-o-t-o which i can't quite remember what that translates to now but it's it's like things left you know things remembered right. relics and it was basically a lot a lot of the similar ideas and themes that you follow in this uh, in, in these sort of um cemetery images so you should check out Alice's work, Ex Voto. Yeah. She does explore uh, pilgrimages, the way memories are left in the landscape, mm -hmm. and all sorts of the, the way people remember things as well. Yeah. The other thing about the memorials, um, I just thought, I remember reading somewhere that um, you know, one of the memorials, it's on a corner of a very busy street, and there's a McDonald's right there. And in our town, this McDonald's, there is probably a 20-foot Tyrannosaurus Rex. And huh. this, these people put this memorial up against that fence. So you can see McDonald's, you can see the dinosaur and everything. Well, it marked a spot where someone was struck by a car and killed, and uh, which is, you know, I mean, crazy uh, tragic. The people, uh, I read something where the people don't see it that way. They... They're marking 
person was last alive. So it has a completely different um, vibe to it, I guess. <laughs> so it's it's not so much dark. It's it's like celebrating that person. So they'll they'll put things, you know. I, I mean, I've I just went uh, yesterday or day before and did some new pictures, and um, you know they'll put like beer cans or they'll drink beer and put it next uh, mm. their monument because they might have sat there and toasted that person, you know. So it's really interesting. Uh, it, yeah. it it is interesting, and it also in my head it thinks well. You know, you can share an image like that, like the one you talked about at McDonald's or the one with the beer cans. And of course, if yeah. you just leave, if you just leave it as an isolated image out there for people to look at, people will just put whatever interpretation they want onto that image, won't they? Right. Yeah, they do. And you However, know, it, it connects to them. Is what mm, mm, yeah. Well, I think photography just does that, doesn't it? I mean, no matter what you shoot, you know, you the viewer always relates to it their own way yeah it's open, yeah. open for interpretation however well uh, unless you steer yeah. some way by you know either writing with the image or titling you know which um, is all valid just different people have different approaches yeah and you know somebody might uh, not relate to it at all just walk right no. by it so mm -hmm. it becomes just you know, another thing on the side of the road or whatever. So um, that they might think it's garbage or something, you know. Okay, so. okay. I'm, uh, I was just flicking through your, to, to, for folks listening, the way I was looking, look, I've been looking at Vincent's images. We haven't really honed in on any one in particular, but you get the idea of the genre and you would have heard me talk about Vincent's work before on the show. Uh, but I was looking at one, Vincent, that you shared into the, podcast group on july 30th which is uh stone christ in the foreground i think it's christ in the foreground mm -hmm. and then in the background you've got well there's at least one cross but could be three right. and wow that's a really powerful image because that just reminds me of calvary and the three crosses you know with mm -hmm. jesus in yeah. the middle and the, and the two thieves either side that's um, what i that, what i thought when i saw it so <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. the face of the face of the statue, yeah. the face of Christ, is actually cracked. Yeah, you see a, you see a deep crack. Such a powerful image. Yeah, and, thank you. And yeah, that would. Be I actually shot it again just two days ago. So a uh, different different view because because I was really drawn to that. Yeah. But under, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted. No, you. I'm just I'm just staring at it. I'm I'm just thinking how because it's it it's so. This is just like almost like lensed large format photography, really, isn't it? Without all the hassle, <laughs> even even with the uh, <laughs> even with the grass kind of blowing in it, you know, you can tell it's just a long exposure. If you used a filter or something, wanted to get a longer exposure, it would be a regular. Yeah, that uh, that statue is on uh, the cemetery is called Rincon Cemetery, and it's actually up on a hilltop in the Rincon by the Rincon Mountains, and. Um, Road. you might miss it completely there's just a little dirt road that goes up to it but it's an old cemetery and if you the trees are growing up and a lot of leaves and stuff so uh, it, if you don't catch the view of it at the right point from the road you'll drive okay, right by it so it's almost and if you do catch the view of it there's a big giant metal cross and that's how you know where to where to turn so um but it's an old cemetery and every time i go there i find something different you know is it's, uh it's... 
Is that is that the cross you're talking about? Like two pictures after that, there's a uh, Rincon Cemetery sits on the hilltop. There's a big giant cross there. And that's uh, yeah, a wood cross in the background. Sorry. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Somebody did a welded one that's huge, and uh, uh, there are some bigger wood ones. Oh yeah. But that that the statue of Jesus is is an interesting um, spot because. It, if you were to shoot uh, the photograph looking down, there's all kinds of little Christmas ornaments. Um, there was like an Ace Hardware snow globe sitting there. And that's also uh, the same site of that pocket knife. I don't know if you saw that one, but the pocket knife is sitting like right in front. And the person, uh, the grave of that person is, is uh, it's, his name is El Chapo, so I think he oh, was a boxer. Yeah. And there's, there's like boxing gloves on, on the memorial. Oh, yeah, and, there is. And, you know, and people put beer cans there. And um, so it's like a little story about that that person, which is right. which I find fascinating. So, See, for most uh, cemeteries in the UK, particularly, uh, but yeah, most cemeteries, whether it's cremation memorials or proper burial stones, um, most churchyards and churches dis actively discourage leaving too much mm -hmm. par paraphernalia around it uh, that, no, doesn't, that doesn't stop them doing it they come around periodically and just clean it up well i mean i can talk about our church across the road and you know i'm church warden for ours and it's a constant it's a constant um struggle really because the guy who volunteers to use his lawnmower around it you know it, <laughs> and his, in his strimmer Right. Often, often you can't help, but, you know, you might decapitate a teddy bear or a flashing angel or something, you know, if you're not careful. And, you know, these people are volunteer gardeners. And and if you cover the <laughs> cover the gravestone with, you know, beer cans and flashing Jesuses and flesh colored Christ that grow in the dark, to quote Bob Dylan, <laughs> um, then, you know, he's got to move everything and put it all back to do his gardening. Cause it, but it's um, around these gravestones, I think there's a lot of concrete and stone, so it's probably not such an issue. Um, well, but that... it's, um, I love the idea of telling a story, and it's going to make me, when I walk back over our church and, and look at um, the little teddy bears and, and the flashing angel, it's going to make me look at it in a, in a slightly different view now, um, except I don't have the Arizona light <laughs> to help me <laughs> yeah. well you know right. I, I try and go the same time uh, just to keep try and keep things consistent and uh, uh but it, you know i mean we we have things you know like um monsoon season you know now and yeah. it's you know clouds and rainy and so um but um the the other the other site besides rincon is el tiraditu which is located in the barrio section the old section of tucson and um, there's a whole story that's pretty wild uh, about what that is and um, why it's there. And people, it's all, it's mostly me Mexican people that do this. Um, it, it's something they believe and that it, it's, they actually go there and leave, burn candles and leave objects and uh, wish for good things. And uh, yeah. there's an old... Uh, it's not the original site. It's this is actually a newer site, and um, there was an old building there, and there's there's like gaps in the in the mortar, um, and people write notes and wishes, and they actually roll up paper and stick it. So the whole wall is full of wishes, and um, 
the other deal was that the candles, if they, if you light a candle, make a wish or uh, hope for good things, if the candle is still burning the the next morning, your wish will come true. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what they believe. So, um, but every time I go there, it's weird because it's I go in the morning and I know if, I don't know if it's the caretakers or what, but it's always wet. There's no sprinklers. There's no whatever. And mm-hmm. I think somebody just and hoses it down and a lot of times the candles are knocked over or different places it's a lot of times it's really dirty from the water being sprayed so Hmm. it's it's weird (laughs) yeah so so not only are you keeping um the same camera same effective focal length same film you're helping yourself by just going there the same time of day so that, that's got to help you with your fomapan a lot of, a lot of folks struggle with fomapan and often they talk about the long exposure times but i, I guess you're not really i like against that, that. <laughs> um mm-hmm. yep you know and going at, at the same time kind of keeps you you know i like morning light so yeah. um mm-hmm. you know i go probably i try and get there like around eight o'clock or so um my recent visit was at like nine thirty, and it was just much more dramatic, you know, uh, sun, uh, brighter, higher, uh, shadows and things. So, um, yeah. I try and keep it cheap. I try and keep that consistent, I guess. Well, you know, reciprocity is just a myth. It's not real. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Vincent, Vincent, Vincent doesn't worry about it. Cause he doesn't have a, it's so bright. well, yeah, you don't have a reciprocity app or anything. There you, you go. Yeah. Are you I just, um, are you just using experience or taking a light meter reading and then just getting the exposure and kind of, you know, doubling it tripling it whatever you think it needs yeah i I mean i use a handheld light meter and i use Mm -hmm. the circle scale uh from that was sent with the titan camera yeah and and it's for the most part it's it's really been been great if if the problem happens it's not because of uh, because of the uh, calculators, because of the way I read the light. So, yeah, because um, gotcha. yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That's um, that little cardboard circle calculator. That mm-hmm. does that. That doesn't just give you the equivalent f stops at you know f two hundred or whatever. Does that give you some hint? And well, if it's a bit cloudy, you need to. Use... There are setting, There are settings like uh, you know on there uh, symbols. You know for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I just go with the direct, you know, the light meter and, and yeah. um, spin the dial around, set my ISO and mm-hmm. um, just read it. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm also hand counting my, my exposure. So yeah. like if I'm a little yeah. under or a little over, it's my fault. Are you, are you counting <laughs> in Mississippi's? Elephants. <laughs> Elephants. <laughs> Mississippi. I think the, um, are you, so are you are you making prints? So the images that you're posting are these negative scans or those are scans? Prints? Yeah, um, I do have my enlarger. I have it at school because I I was teaching. Um, I teach sixth, seventh, eighth art. Um, I'm currently teaching sixth, seventh, and eighth at a at a middle school, and uh, um, so I I brought my enlarger and kept it there because I was doing photographs. I was doing photograms yep. with them. So, right. Yep. Um, did they say so? How old are how old are these kids? Because this is part time teaching you're doing now. You're not full yes. time, are you? Yeah, no. Um, I don't know. What are they? 11, 11 to like thirteen or so. Are they 13. are they blown away when you say what? This is an enlarger. They say what? What? What is it? <laughs> yeah, they, they they were blown away when when they actually did, when the yeah. You know, I, had I them, can I imagine. Had them at, 
you know, I converted the, the faculty bathroom to a dark room. I hung plastic and stuff. That's and cool. there wasn't one kid that didn't go, whoa, uh, whoa. <laughs> magic, you know. Uh, so it, it was it was really cool. And we do that with uh, I do that with cyanotypes with them. Um, yeah. So we don't need a dark room for that outside and use the sun. And I have a couple of UV light boxes that we uh, so they they actually do photograms, but as cyanotype. Are you using yeah. um, I haven't delved into your other sort of images that we can look at online. So cyanotypes layered with other um uh, collages and different digital negatives and things i know you're very creative in in those areas um but are you using pinhole um negatives it, to build images using cyanotypes and other mediums i have uh i have used some of my pinhole images um most of the stuff that i'm doing is uh you know the the cyanotype background uh scanned bringing in uh, portraits of like, a, let's say a round uh, um, mm -hmm. glass ashtray. So I'll, I'll coat the paper, put the ashtray on it, I'll take it out in the sun or I'll do it with my UV light box. I might splash uh, water on it. I might paint on it or whatever. Uh, I develop that and then I scan it. Um, so I have, I mean, I mostly do that and then work with the scan uh, with uh, like portraits and things. So just mm. uh, pe people that are uh, from like a uh, times and stuff. I, I really like old photographs, um, yeah. but I like pinhole um, cyanotypes also, but mostly collage stuff. Then I, I get yeah. a digital image put together and I actually go to office Depot and everybody goes and uh, does pictorio and stuff. Um, I don't have a color printer, so I just go to Office Depot, and uh, they think I'm nuts because nobody does overhead transparencies anymore you know, mm -hmm. for right. business meetings, and that's what I have them print, um, make my negatives on. So, excellent, excellent. <laughs> I contact print those to make my final cyanotype, and then I also do some toning. I, I paint coffee uh, mm -hmm. or tea on on the print to change it uh, tonally. Um, so there, there's different things that you can do to, to to kind of break it up. Right now, I'm working on trying to put together a light a uh, auto box version of that, so it'll be hmm. different layers of prints that in a small space. Oh, so you can kind of set the depth of field with them. You mean like some farther, sort of, closer kind of? Yeah, yeah. Stacking them maybe. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So it's that's going to be different. So yeah, Look, looking know. forward to it. I cool. came across a. I've not done much cyanotype. Uh, printing but there's uh, I came across a book earlier Vincent all of I mean there's a lot of stuff online about toning cyanotypes but there is mm -hmm. um, a book called cyanotype toning using botanicals which any kind of plant material to tone blueprints naturally that's by a lady right. called uh, Annette Golaz mm -hmm. so um don't know what that's all about and I think the the lady who, who oh, I think this is part of the same series produced by Christine uh, Anderson, who does has put a lot of books out, well, two or three books out there on cyanotypes. Christina Anderson, I think she's just published a, a new book called Creative Darkroom Modern Creative Darkroom Practices or something. So that's probably pulling in lith printing, salt printing, cyanotypes, mm -hmm. and arthrotypes using different, um, chem you know, different plant materials to make images. Right. So there's, um, 
it's a huge thing now, isn't it? People experimenting with um... yeah, historical processes. Uh, um, you know, they're they're awesome. You know, mm -hmm. uh, my cyanotypes probably don't have quite the detail that like Pictoria film will do, um, but I go with it, and uh, whatever mm -hmm. happens, happens, and it's quite the the picture, uh, the whatever digital version of of what I'm using. Um, because it's its own animal and it has a different, yeah. uh, different life, I guess. So Excellent. I just, I, I love it. Yeah. And, you know, doing something without a dark room and coming up with a photographic image and using the sun and, um, hmm. you know, people used to do the film, you know, and like in the 90s and stuff, they, you know, cameras had, you know, larger negatives and they would buy sanitite paper that's already coated and they would make proofs and hand them out well, to each other. Certainly growing up in the 80s and beginning printing in the 80s, you could still then I've got some reviews of printing out paper you could buy still yes. pop, P-O-P, printing out paper which was just right. meant for you know, printing out under you know sunlight and stuff like that you know, you right. could, but, you know, so I don't know who made it maybe Ilford made it, I don't know mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. That was before me. Before your time. Mm. I just, yep. um, one last picture to look at before we start to, uh, I guess, wind up. One more, um, Andrew, that's one all more. you get. Is that it? <laughs> Sorry, I know you've got a busy day. Yeah. Um, June, June, June the 10th, you showed, you posted a picture, which I think is, yeah, L2, oh, how do you tell it? Yeah. Candles, melt, wet, melted wet, wax, what you were talking about, flowers, note, close of view from the right side. So that, I think this sums up what you were talking about a little while ago. So this is um, a ca candle there. I think I think it's a candle or a candle. I think it's a candle of Jesus. And a little note that someone's left in a glass. Yeah, and I just 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 beautiful lighting, you know. And uh, the foma pan is working really well for you. I love it. Yeah, you got good uh, tones on it. You got nice blacks, you know. I mean, everything. Pretty, well, yeah. you've got you've got shadow. People complain about it being um, easy to blow the highlights out, but I, I, I whatever developing regime you're using, it's um, it's clearly working. So, do, do you have a favorite? We like to pick people's secrets apart here. Corey does, mm. so we can copy them. What um, <laughs> what uh, what what's your favorite developer for Fomapan, Vincent? Um, you know, I've tried a couple things, but um, when I taught high school and developed film there that was mm -hmm. d76 one to one you know i thought there you, you were gonna i thought you were gonna say that because the old standby huh <laughs> yeah my uh, my go-to of course is uh, i've mentioned it many times is id 11 one plus one mm -hmm. and i i use that for fomapan for fp4 for hp5 you know so on yeah i try and keep consistent you know so yeah. if, if the work looks consistent it's because i mm. tried to do all the steps consistent so I, yeah. I do want to do, I tried stand developing and I, it was just really and didn't really do uh, that much for, it didn't do as much as I thought it was going to do yeah. for that particular thing. So Well, you don't uh, seem to have an issue with controlling highlights, which is one of the no. things that people use, people use um, yeah. stand developing for. If you can, if you can get good with your meter and then figure it out, you know, you can kind of take care of it before you even get to the well uh, it's also, stage, it's also you know? i mean the developing stage helps if you don't overcook the develop yeah. the, the negatives you know and vincent vincent's clearly worked out the best time 
in the developer to suit him his images, uh, and it works. And I've, you know, all the recent stuff uh, I've been using the histogram when I when I pull my scan up. You know, uh, yeah. when I, when I do my preview and then I play with the histogram. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, that probably helps a lot, make it more consistent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can print it. And I, then I, I do, do a lot of. It. I'm sorry. sorry go ahead. No, it's fine. Go on. Oh. So do um you, you know all the Photoshop stuff that you would do in a dark room? You know, burn in yeah. and dodge and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So. Well, it's great stuff, and um, thank you. You're, ca you're carrying on with your little series of graveyard works. Is that is that just going to keep? It's endless, isn't it? Because if if folks keep changing things, you're going to just go back and make more and more images. It is. They're they're working for me. <laughs> it's right. true. Yeah, I can see the same scene, you know, two weeks later, and it's it's yep. just wild. So, and I, I well, did want to say one other thing. Uh, yep. Which, which I thought was interesting. Um, first, when I was doing the series and stuff of of uh, approaching, you know, objects left. Uh, you know, in memory and things. I searched and found a, a live camera view of Andy Warhol's grave. Oh, wow. And, and I think it's in New Jersey. And it was in the winter. And, the you know, I went to the camera and the wind is blowing. And it, but all over his grave are Pepsi or Campbell soup cans, rather. Yeah. You know, so even though he's not Mexican, I mean, it, that tradition is is done just because people remember that person for that you know it's pretty wild mm. and one one last one last picture sorry Corey, i know i said it was no, you're good. Um, <laughs> some work you've just shared recently which isn't gravestones but it reminded right. me so much of a photograph by joseph karsh i think it's karsh. which one um he he photographed hang on he photographed georgia o'keefe mm -hmm. the paint the painter and kind of friend of Ansel Adams. He painted, he photographed, Joseph Karsh photoed, photographed George O'Keefe in a, in a chair in, I guess, similar lighting down in, in Arizona or the Mexican border, somewhere like that. New Mexico. And New Mexico, yeah. And she was sitting in a chair and above her head is an antelope skull. Oh, yeah, right? I know the picture. And, yeah. um, and the lighting on her hands and the lighting on the antelope are the two things that draw your eye. And of course, you found an antelope skull. And I know you, I read your notes and said that you'd underexposed it because you don't have a reci reciprocity yeah. app. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Nonsense. I, I the one I like, the one I like, I, I guess it's an antelope skull. Is the one on a chair? I think it's a chair with the black background. That's the one you underexposed. I think. But the second yes. one. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a horse skull, is it? Yeah. The antelope yeah. skull is the one above it on the is that on the wall? On the wall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the horse skull was in a fireplace. Uh, ah. It's in De Grazia oh, that... Gallery. He's a he's a, a famous uh, Tucson artist, and he has ten acres of buildings, and uh, he built a uh, just all kinds of things. And he shows his artwork there. And I had never been there, and um, I just did a trip to that. Uh, I don't know last week or something. So I, I thought I'd bring my camera and just do some shots yeah. but that was inside and the only light coming in was from a skylight that was you know like 10 feet away so i just i just went with it i said okay two minutes <laughs> you know whatever let's see what happens and i actually like it better than a bright lit scene mm -hmm. uh, because it takes on a different 
different, I guess. Um, so, well, you know, the black, the blacks have got. I mean, there's detail there. I mean, I know you yeah. said it's underexposed, but yeah, well, you know, you you've worked you've worked an image from it. Whatever magic right. you pulled. Yeah. So I'll just have, sorry. I'll just have to credit John Farnham, uh, Farnan, Farnan. Sorry, John, because um, he he answered asked a question of you, which I think you've answered now. Anyway, he um, he uh, he asked a question when I inadvertently posted this into the large format photography podcast Facebook group. And then I posted it into the lenses group. Um, so it's much the same. So why one camera and film type? Well, you've answered that. Um, yeah. John, sa John says, I know myself going out, I've tried to keep one format at a time, but never just stick to a single type. Does it help with creativity? I think it probably does. Um, I think you've, uh, yeah, sorry, really sorry to, sorry to, sorry to put words in your mouth. More. Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. Um, but I should other uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you shoot other things as well, so it's not just the. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I I love infrared, you know, and I have yeah. um, I, I recently I my other gear, and I I, I ended up buying an um, an old uh, Nikon body, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I done one of the infrared shots on my regular um, my regular page and stuff too, but I mean, I love that, and I'm gonna try some infrared pinhole, so I'm It'll, yeah. The um the last the last point John makes, which I'm not sure we've really touched on. People associate you. I don't know if he means you as in you, Vincent, or just you know anyone who does something. People associate you with something, then get confused when you try something new, so you can get stuck in a cycle. I think mm. that's true. Interested to hear what your thoughts on these things are. Well, I was so John. I don't know if it helps, but I was reading. Uh, Stephen Shaw's latest writing and he was um, he was saying that he was represented by a number of galleries when he did that um, new topographic color work on his 8x10 camera in American street scenes then he was represented by two or three galleries and they were selling his prints and so on where when he realized he was imitating himself because he was he said I realized I was going out and making Stephen Shaw pictures <laughs> he said it was time for me to stop and focus on something else. And he says, at least half those galleries dropped dropped him. <laughs> yeah. Serves him right. But I don't think, you know, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong in just going out and making more Stephen Shaw galleries if that's if that's what you're enjoying doing, if that's what people Knew like it. to see. Just I mean, if you believe in it, you gotta do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So my my um, you know all the candles and that memorial thing that's definitely one one um, train of thought right. Um, yeah. But recently I did there was that church exterior. Yep, uh, saw that as and, well. And the horse skull and um, mm -hmm. so I went to this new location and uh, do some shooting. So I I did that. So I could have gone to the same place. Uh, I just wanted to try some uh, some other other things rather than the same well, thing every time. Yeah, so it's it's keeping you fresh. It's the same. It's within the same genre, isn't it? But just right. stepping away from what you have been doing and just looking behind you. And it left a little more time for changes to happen to the sites, you know. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. so when I went back, um, there was one picture of a headstone that I did with it, and it was. Uh,
carved uh, headstone of, a, of like a portrait of this man. And he had a camera uh, carved, you know, like he was standing next to the camera, like it was he was going to take a picture or whatever. And I had walked by that, I don't know how many times, and I didn't notice it because I was focused on something else, mm, you know? There you so, go. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the cool thing about uh, going back to a similar location and just trying to see it with new eyes. Yeah. Vincent, yeah. thank you yeah, so Vincent. much for being uh, a wonderful guest and a really interesting conversation. Corey, anything to add? Uh, uh, just, no. Excellent. Thank you, Julian. For Julian, Who's Julianne for last oh, show. Ju oh, last show. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I've forgotten about her. She's old news. <laughs> on to the next one, right? Yeah, yeah. We quickly forget about you once you've been on this show. <laughs> okay, bye then. Yeah. Sorry, who are you? Yeah, right. Vincent. Vincent, it's been really thank you, Vincent. Really, really lovely, and thanks for thank you. I'm, I'm honored to keep, be on keep, here. Keep, keep. Oh, the honor's all ours. Oh, yes, don't worry. Lenseless um, podcast. Sorry again, I'm interrupting you again. The Lenseless no, podcast okay. uh, really triggered me off. So um, did it? You know, seeing Good. everyone's work, it awesome. really inspired me to. to, to <laughs> that would do be that. since uh, that would so. be since show six when I joined, though I guess yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the the whole face the whole Facebook uh, scene is all all you're doing, Andrew. So you get total credit for that, buddy. Well, you you're quite welcome to join in. Uh, you know, we but we never see you there. I'm allowed to join in. You are, yeah. <laughs> Twitter, you've given up. Twit Twitter's all me. I I still say when I'm posting stuff on Twitter, I still say we like this. But yeah. I thought, what what am I saying? I said, and I say we. I'm talking about the Lensless Podcast, which is you, but you're never there. I'm never there. <laughs> yeah. Right, is that it cool. then? I'll, yeah, um, that's it. I'll, I'll leave you to go and do whatever basic yeah. editing you do and we'll okay. get to show it. Thanks, Sebastian. Vincent. Vincent. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've forgotten him already. You don't know what your <laughs> name is. Vincent, I know what you're called. Vincent, thank you so much. And and thank, thank you, you to your um thank you to your good lady for all the technical support as well. Yep. We got there. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye everybody. See ya. We have no control over levels or anything, any nonsense like that. So okay. it is what it, it is. What it is. All right. <laughs> what show number is this, Andrew? It's one two four. Well, yeah, because I see one twenty three. Yeah, gotcha. We had. Um, yeah, you might want to. If you, if you'd like to thank Julienne Piper, she's no relation to Neil, but she is a relation to Mario Piper, and. She...